Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. Uh, evening at some people's houses on the East Coast, but uh, afternoon here on the West Coast. As you know, we have uh, Freddie M. Smith with us um, today. Uh, he is going to be joining us to answer some some of these wonderful burning questions that we all have. Um, we welcome to the airwaves Freddie Smith. He is known best for his role as Sonny Kiriakis, the first openly gay contracted role of the daytime drama Days of Our Lives. But before daytime, Freddie got his start with his roles on the new CW hit 90210 and Medium. Being passionate about the stoppage of bullying in schools, Freddie spoke to Congress in July of this year about the topic as well as keeping sports programs in schools and foster care mentoring. In addition to his role on Days, also been portraying the character of Romeo Jones in Scandal Crest, a new improvised soap opera TV series from the world-famous Acme Theater in Hollywood, California. You can catch Freddie in the last installment of Scandal Crest on December 7th, this coming Friday night at Acme, or watch it at scandalcrest.com. Let's welcome to the airwaves, Freddie Smith. Hi, Freddie. Hello. That was a great opening. You, like, did all the work for me. That's fabulous. <laughs> well, isn't that what the interviewer is supposed to do? Absolutely. You <laughs> talked me up, and now I have to live up to all of that. That's, uh, that's easy for you, I'm sure. <laughs> we will um, see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Um, I understand. Well, how are you liking this rain? I love it, but how are you liking it? I, I love when it rains, like, one or two days. Anything after that, it becomes just irritating, I guess. Now, yeah. it's nice that it's always sunny here, so when it does rain, it kind of reminds me of Ohio, and I'm like, oh, this is great. But then when it's, like, 60 and raining out, like, we're spoiled when it's, like, 80 and sunny, like, nine months <laughs> out of the year. So this is our, like, winter, so we can't complain because it's still, like, 60 out. But um, right. But it's nice. It's a different change of pace. Absolutely. Okay, well, let's start out. Um, I understand you were an only child growing up in Ohio. Was that, being an only child, was that, like, easier or harder for you? Well, um, I remember being, like, a kid and always wanting a brother and sister. And Mm -hmm. uh, But once I got to, like, my teenage years, I was kind of used to it and just comfortable being the only child. And I was very close to my, with my parents, and me and my dad were, like, into sports, like, my whole life. And then I have two cousins, Karen and Cherie, who were, like, sisters to me. So I kind of had the experience of being an only child, but I was so close with them that it was like I grew up with two sisters as well. So it was kind of like a little bit of both. Oh, that sounds, that sounds nice. What was, the, what was the, like, one thing that you remember most about growing up in Ohio? Honestly, the first thing that just popped in my mind is 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 sports. Like I played baseball, basketball, and I bowled for like fourteen years, and oh my, my whole life was just like boom, boom, boom. Like sports, 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 and then it all stopped. <laughs> and then I moved out here and started doing this. But interesting when you grow up, how you look back and you're like, wow, like all those years of sports, there's so many memories and so many friends and. It was, it was a wonderful experience, but that was like my whole childhood and all through high school. It was just sports 24-7. Oh, wow. 
Okay, so what, okay, so since you were obviously like a sports jock, it sounds like, um, what, <laughs> what made you first realize that acting was your passion? Um, I didn't really know until I was like 17, and um, that's when all the pressure is on of, you know, what are you going to be when you grow up? What are you going to do? What college are you going to? Where are you doing? You know, there's just all those questions that you've been putting off since you were like 14. So you're like, all right, now I have to get serious. And it was by chance that like my buddy, he's like, hey, he's like, there's a theater arts class. You know, it's our senior year. He's like, you got to just do it. It's going to be so easy. All our friends are in it. And I was like, all right, I'll give it a try. So I took this for a whole semester and I just like fell in love with it. We would write plays and we would act and we'd do improv and, and I was like, this is a lot of fun. So I ended up taking classes in Cleveland, for, which is like 60 miles west of where I live. And I'd drive there every weekend, and I would take acting classes for like six months. And just after being there, I was like, you know what? This is what I want to do. This is so much fun. And I told my parents, and they were cool with it. And then graduated like end of May, and then three weeks later, drove out to California when I was like 18. Wow. Well, story in a nutshell, yeah. So I didn't know I wanted to be an actor until, like, I was 17. But when I look back on my life, I I loved, like, you know, the home videos when you used to have those huge video cameras. Like, I'd always be entertaining in front of them, and I'd always want to film things. So when I look back, it was always, like, in my soul. But I didn't understand what I wanted to do until that class. It just hit me, and I was like, this is something special. I could see myself doing this. Okay, so packing up your car and packing up your whole life and moving to Los Angeles, that's a huge step right out of high school. What made you believe that this was the right move, that that this was something that could work for you? Because it's, it's big enough coming out of high school, yet let alone moving to Los Angeles, California. So I think it was just, you know, because there's there's like a difference. It's like I always go with my gut feeling, and that's pretty much what guides me because I think our initial gut feeling always tells us the truth. But then once our mind gets involved, we can kind of talk ourselves one way or another. And there was just something that I just felt inside. I was like, I can do this. Like, I see myself doing this. And um, it hit me. I was at this concert, and I was watching people go crazy about these singers. And they were my favorite singers, too. But I was sitting there thinking, like, wow, this is so amazing. Like, I see myself, like, being an entertainer. I, I feel it in my in my gut that I can do this. And it also helped – well, not helped. This is unfortunate. But, like, my town is so small, and the economy just killed it. Like, there's hardly – there's, like, no jobs. There wasn't anything for me to really stay there, aside from my family and friends, of course. But when it comes to career opportunities, I was like, i got to get out of here. To, to go get a, a job, and I wasn't interested in going to college at the time. So I was like, this seems like the best move. Let me go out. And and I was a punk, too. When I was 18, like, I, you know, when you're 18, you're 16, 18, you think like, you're you're way better than, than the world. You're like, oh, I'm super cool. I'm 18, moving out. And then reality hits me, and I basically had a four-year college experience of, like, life, just living on my own away from my family and friends and just getting, you know, learning from my mistakes. I made so many mistakes the first four years out here until I finally clicked, and I'm like, oh, this is what it's like to be an adult. And it kind of, it was a learning process. Yeah. Well, it sounds like, but it, but it worked out for you, and that's the, that's the important thing. 
Um, (laughs) Has there been a person in the business that has kind of helped you, guide you through your career? It's it's been a lot of people. Um, You know, uh, like different representation have have taught me different things that I've carried with me, um, as well as just observing and, you know, learning from my own mistakes, but also watching other people. Like I ask a lot of questions and I learn a lot and I kind of see like do's and don'ts. And so I kind of just take a lot of things in and try to make the best move possible. So it, it was just a learning experience like every step of the way, but I, I wouldn't say there's like one person out here that has like been with me the whole time. And, you know, I kind of bounced around and just found my own, um, you know, my own, my own place. And it's just, it's really, it's rewarding though to know that I, I had some help, but like I did it on my own. It's that much more rewarding. Now, this is this is interesting, this, this attitude that you have. And, um, do you think that your, like, independence comes from the fact that you're an only child? I do because everything I had to do on my own, and both my parents, well, my mom was a stay-at-home mom until I was 13, and she, uh, she's been working now for, like, 12 years. My dad's worked his entire life, 16-hour days, provided for us, and, you know, and I wasn't spoiled. Like, I... Got a lot of things for being the only child. Like, I, my parents bought me my first car at 16, but I wasn't snobby or bratty. Like, I understood the value of money and hard work, and I got to snow plow the driveway, clean the pool, rake the leaves, mow the lawn, and my mom has remodeled the house a million times, so me and my dad are constantly, like, working. So I think my parents just raised me to be a hard worker, and I think yeah. that's the most important thing in this business, and in any business, really, is to be consistent and, and to work, you know, as hard as you can. And uh, that's just kind of what I not live by, but you know what I mean? Like I, I put that in motion and just continue to just work hard. Absolutely. Okay, let's get into your career a little bit here. You right. appeared on the hit CB, CW series, 90210, the new one, as Marco, a gay soccer player who became involved with Teddy Montgomery, played by Trevor Donovan, who is uber popular and beautiful. Um, what kind of of challenges did you face with this type of role? I mean, coming right into oh, it. It was, it was like my, well, it was like my first like big TV thing, you know, to have a reoccurring role. I didn't right. know how many episodes it was going to be, and you know, you always dream about doing this, but when you get there, you know, this this cast has been a family for you know three years, and mm-hmm. everyone's been working, and they're you know, and and what really, excuse me, real quick. Sure. Um, but it, and, and they were very welcoming to me, and they they made me feel comfortable. But it was kind of intimidating going into like a hit show that's been remade, and you know it being my first big role. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also helped me to be even more because they were welcoming to me. They made me feel very comfortable. But now I go over the top when new people come into days. I've been there almost two years, and I remember how uncomfortable I was when I first started with this big family. So any kind of a guest star or, like, a new uh, character, a new role, I kind of, like, you know, like to show them around and just make them feel as comfortable as possible because I know what it felt like. Um, But, yeah, it was was intimidating but a learning experience, and it was was a lot of fun and rewarding, and the role was amazing, and that's what kind of got me. Um, you know, pushing and even with like gay rights, like it was, it opened my eyes even more when I played that role. 
and then going into days, it was, it, you know what I mean? It just helped me understand a lot more. And I'm so grateful that I had that opportunity to do those roles. That That is right. I, I, I hear you on that. Let, let's talk about days of our lives. Obviously, there's been a lot of talk about your character, Sonny, which happens to be the first openly gay contracted character on the daytime drama Days of Our Lives, the, the show itself. Um, and you were involved in a storyline with Will Horton in an openly gay relationship. What can you tell us about what is coming up for these two characters? If you can let us know, you know, obviously they've been through some turmoil and some back and forth and, and they've got families involved now. And so what kind of trials and tribulations are they looking at for the future? Well, what's great is that we, we do have our ups and downs just like every other couple. And it, it's, we shoot like three and a half months ahead. So there, there's so much I wish I could get into it. <laughs> so good. Um, but from what I actually can talk about, um, it's it, our, our love is, is, is so strong. We love each other more than anything in the world. And, um, but in any relationship, there are problems. There are people who cause problems. So there's going to be ups and downs, but we love each other a lot. So I'm, I'm hoping that we will be that power couple that stays together forever. Now, Lucas, Will's dad, seems to be kind of an adversary to all of this. Um, are they going to overcome all of that with Lucas, or is Lucas going to kind of come around, or is he starting to? Um... I think it's with I think it's with anything is that he, you know, when he heard the news, um, he was kind of thrown, and I don't think he knew how to handle it. But once he understands, like, how stupid he was being, I think he's going to come around and, and support his son and support our relationship. Um, but he, I, you know, he just kind of reacted like probably some dads have reacted, you know, and I think that it's, it's important to show that there are people who might be uncomfortable with it, you know, and it, it, it's just real life. I mean, I think that sucks, but it, it's real life. So I think what Lucas was feeling, um, I don't agree with, but he's, you know, that character just didn't, kind of hit him all at once and he went through these different stages of I'm I'm uh, you know my son's gay okay and he's like now he's dating I see him kissing so he was dealing with that and you know so it's just a process for him as well so it's just been an interesting storyline I think Brian Detell is doing an amazing job at portraying this character like he's there's a lot of stuff with him coming up too he's, he's great and offset he's just funny he's one of the funniest guys in the world and it's just and the character he plays is like such a you know, a douchebag, if I can say that. Um, but he's he's such a wonderful uh, human being. Oh, that's nice. Okay, so, you know, there have been some love scenes lately that I've seen or that, that, that have aired, and um, they're rather controversial because they're kind of uh, explicit. Um, can you tell us, like, I'm not going to ask you about that. I'm going to ask you about the behind the scenes before these, these, these scenes are ever taped. What do you guys go through? What kind of preparation do you have to go through in order to do well, them? Well, basically, I mean, no matter what scene it is, um, we, we have to drive walk in the morning where the director, you know, shows us where he wants us to go, what he wants us to do. Um, with a love scene or a fight scene, it's more complicated, of course. So, it's just like rehearsing, and that's what's funny is that I, I love 
like watching it come together. Because when you're doing it, sometimes you feel like it's it's like awkward, but when you mm-hmm. edit it, it looks amazing. Because like right. you know, we're like making out, and then you have you know you hear like um, the stage director like uh, you know flick his fingers. When you, when you hear his fingers flick in the background, that's when I unbutton my shirt. And then once it hits the ground, you back up and your legs touch the bed. Then you're gonna lean back on the bed, and it's like so. It's a lot of technical stuff right. that's going on that you're trying to remember as well as staying true and connected to the scene. And um, it's, you know, fight scenes and love scenes are, like, are pretty complicated to do. But um, me and Chandler, I think why this has been successful is we just trust each other and we want to tell the best story possible. And that's what we stick to every day. And we're like, let's make this passionate and romantic and tasteful. And that's how everyone on the show is. They want this to be very tasteful and romantic and passionate. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm really happy that that's what they, that's what they're doing because it really shows that these characters love each other and that's how the audience, you know, that's how the audience can feel that. What we yeah. all want as an audience, you want to feel the connection between people. So it is, uh, yeah, but it's, it's great though. It's, it's all part of the process and, um, of the, you know, making TV, making films. It's crazy what goes on that you don't see, you know, when it airs, like how, how complicated some things are. Right. Yeah. That's one thing that you hear from all the actors is that love scenes are very technical. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, cause if you think about it, like, it's funny if you think about like, you know, like having sex in real life, it, things are, it, it's probably not, if you were to watch it, you know how th- people are like all over the place, you're sloppy, but like on TV, that doesn't look good. Right. You know, it's more of a private thing. So that's why it's important on TV. It's like you don't want to see that. You, you right. really don't, you know. You want to see the passion and the love and not all the other crazy stuff that's kind of like, you know, personal that that people, you know, do in the privacy of their own home. But the the, the love and the, and the passion is what really can, you know, you can connect with an audience. So I, I'm happy that they're, they're going that route. I think everyone's happy and the audience has responded wonderfully. And, uh, and all the fans, too, like, they're, they, they've made this storyline possible with all their support because I yeah. didn't know if it was going to continue. So I'm just glad that people are, are behind us and, and that we're all working together on this. Oh, most definitely. Um, in July, you spoke in front of Congress on the topics of bullying, keeping sports programs in schools, and foster care mentoring. Can you tell us what led up to that? Well, it was it was uh, yeah, that was at the time of of my uh, bullying storyline that was going on with Key, and the opportunity came about, and they're like, "Would you like to go talk about physical education and and bullying?" And I was like, "Well, yes, those are two things I'm very passionate about, so I would love to do that." So um, I didn't know what to expect when I got there, but it was an amazing trip. Um, but I just wanted to bring awareness to it because it's it's such a problem. And um, I've said this before in other interviews that I, I could go on for hours about my thoughts on on education and on bullying. Um, but in a nutshell, um, I believe that physical education in schools should be mandatory um, so that our youth uh, knows diet nutrition and they know what to do in the gym. Um, and I think the gym should come more like in high school when people can really start lifting and getting in shape. But all the classes they have in school, which bothers me, is that they're teaching people how to make pies and cakes and cookies and pizza and they don't really show you how to make, like, grilled chicken and vegetables or why it's healthy. And so I wanted to be able to speak out about this because the schools, like, you're in school every day. You can teach kids, 
And with the obesity problem in, in the United States right now, I think it's important. So that's like basically a nutshell, my thoughts on that. And then the bullying, it's just getting out of hand. And I think that the, you know, with the internet now and everything's viral, everything's so quick. Um, and the cyberbullying is becoming like a big issue. Right. And I just wanted to bring awareness and, and to let people know about, like, I, I think the parents, especially at a young age, like five, six-year-old kids, they don't get it. They don't understand the long-term repercussions of bullying someone. Yeah. You just don't get it when you're five or six, but the parents do. Mm-hmm. So I think the parents and teachers should have serious conversations with kids and be like, look, like, bullying is not funny. It's, it's, it can affect people negatively. Um, so it was just my point to be like, I, I, I really believe in schools that teachers and parents should get more involved with that topic, um, especially, because it's, it's not just something that happens a day or two. And then, like, I think people I've met, you know, who are even 30, 40, 50, 60, who, because they were bullied, it's kind of stayed with them their whole life. Yeah. And that's just unfair. So that's why I feel so strongly about having the opportunity to go to D.C. and talk about this. And um, I'm an opinionated person. I have views on everything, and I like to put my two cents in. So I was like, this would be a great opportunity to to make a stand and, and to say, you know, what I feel about both those topics. Absolutely. Well, I, I would love to have you back to, to discuss that, that subject sometime, just to take up that subject sometime and have some calls come in if you would be open to that. I would be 100% open to that, like both on, on bullying and on physical education. So, I mean, okay. I would love to if we could do a whole segment Absolutely. on what I believe on, on both of those, yeah. Absolutely, we can. Absolutely, we'll, we'll, we'll schedule it. Um, okay, so this Friday is the last installment of Schedule um, <laughs> at the Acme Comedy Club or Acme Comedy Hollywood. And uh, which you are amazing in. I mean, if anybody is in Los Angeles, they should come and see Freddie in Scandal Crest because the entire cast is unreal. I have never laughed so hard in my life. Um, from Freddie to Sean Kanan, Eric Martzoff, um, uh, Diane um uh, who, uh, Diana Costa, who's going to be here on Wednesday. Uh, and, I mean, the whole entire cast is just amazing in it. Now, can you tell them something about your, I mean, besides the short shorts that you have to wear when you mow? <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just a roller coaster. This has been one of the best experiences of my life because I, I have never, I've only done, um, like improv in front of a, um, or actually in general, aside from the high school thing I was telling you about, I've never done stage or theater, um, not, especially improv. I've done a dream role that I did with them a year ago. It was the first improv thing I've ever done. And um, now it's Scandal Crest. And I just love it. I think it's so freeing to be able to do what you want and, and make jokes and, and you can kind of steer the, the scene where you want to go. And I think it's just an interesting story and then they have all these soap actors or ex-soap actors who were kind of like doing a little spoof of you know we're, we're exaggerating uh the soap world and it, it's just like a bunch of drama but it, it's comedy and um and i think that's what makes it so special is that like daytime tv they're daytime dramas like people tune in because you're it's a drama so it's fun to put that twist where it's actually a comedy 
and it's just a lot of fun. Uh, like 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 you said, the cast is just great to work with. You never have to worry about getting lost in a scene because everyone's just so good at what they do. And if you are available to come, go to scandalcrest.com. It's it's on December seventh, our last show of the year. So come out and uh, and just have a good time with us because that's what we do. We all get in the back, we play games, we get pumped up, and go out there and just have fun and try to entertain everyone. So if you can come December seventh, get a ticket and come and. Oh, it's so it's so worth it. And and the thing is is that is that Freddie's character, who is Romeo Jones, there's the Jones and the yeah. Sterling family, and the Jones family is kind of going through some transitions. But Freddie's character is hysterical because he's had to like kind of support his mom, and he's gotten this woman pregnant, and he's in love with Ophelia Sterling's the Sterling's daughter. And, I mean, it is a big soap opera. But the greatest thing about Scandal Crest, and Freddie is so good at it, is that it's exactly what he said. It's all improv. There's no script. No script. So they make it up as they go along on stage. I mean, it is amazing. <laughs> it is. That's what's great is you make it up. And, and we just put people in odd situations. That's how I ended up in short shorts mowing the lawn because – Sean mentioned it one day that I had short shorts, and I'm like, oh, okay, okay, that's how you're going to play it. So, um, but yeah, it, it, we just get, like, bullet points. So, like, in this scene, we're going to reveal at the very end that she's pregnant, and that's all we know. So we just go in there, and we talk about whatever, and then the last line um, that they do give is whatever the tag or the mugshot is. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. So come out, or, or even if you can't, watch it on scandalcrest.com. And like I said, the last show of the year, so. Absolutely. And and are you going to, do you think there'll be other ones? Do you think Scandal Crest will live on? Oh, I really hope so. I think everyone enjoys doing it, and it's such a change of pace, and it's such a, a fun thing on a Friday night. And, uh, you know, we all get together, and then they have this restaurant next door. We'll get food and drinks after. So, I mean, the whole experience of, of it in, in full is just is amazing. And I've met some cool people, met new friends, and, it's a lot of fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, it's it's one of the best. I mean, it's a very intimate uh, gathering. And uh, the theater, is, it's it's just a great experience to come. Make sure you come. Charles Riley um, is, is the person in charge of, of everything, and he has been amazing through this whole thing. He has. <laughs> Um, anyway, well, well, they did have one question, or they had a few questions in the chat room. I'll, I'll ask, I'll ask one of them. Apparently, um, did you did you know about the campaign before you went to do the NOH8 picture? Did I? Yeah, I was I was aware of it. I've seen all the uh, all the pictures, and and I was aware of of, uh, of the proposition and everything, and, and I was excited to to go and, and do that and, and to, you know, support uh, equal rights. So it's, it's a great cause. The people who started that are just brilliant. It's mm-hmm. such such a good idea. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you for taking the time. Can you just hold on the, on the, on the call for a second um, while I say goodbye? Can you hold for a second? Freddie? Okay. 
Um, thank you, everyone, for joining us. I hope you enjoyed this uh, episode with Freddie, Freddie Smith. Um, and uh, have a good day. We will have, uh, I believe we'll have Eric Marsoff tomorrow and Diana Costa Wednesday. Make sure you come out to Scandal Crest to meet Freddie yourself. Um, for Dev for Media Night Radio, I'm signing off. Have a great day. Um,